today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Analysts at Goldman Sachs have claimed Brexit has dealt a significant blow to Britain's economy. The global investment firm suggests estimates to be 5% smaller compared to what it would have been if Britain remained in the EU and says it has made the inflation crisis worse. Well, for more on this, I'm joined by Oliver Wright, policy editor with The London Times. Good morning, Oliver. Good morning. So this report lays bare the effect of Brexit and Goldman Sachs say that taking everything into account, the British economy has shrunk by 5% purely because of Brexit. Is that what it's telling us? Yeah, I mean, what it's saying was that if the UK had remained within the EU, um, the economy would be 5% bigger than it is at the moment. Now, that's not saying that the UK economy has shrunk. Um, because it hasn't, but it's just smaller than it would have been otherwise. Now, what's kind of really interesting about this Goldman report is that it is actually in line with um, what the Treasury said before the Brexit referendum, all the sort of project fear of, you know, this is what the consequences are going to be of, the, of Brexit. And actually what Goldman is saying is, you know, broadly those predictions were right. Mm-hmm. So what happens next, I suppose, is the question. Is there a prediction in here for any sort of recovery or growth? No, I mean this is looking. This is a sort of backward-looking, um, backward-looking piece of work. I mean, one of the things which is particularly interesting in this is it talks about um, immigration, and it's saying one of the reasons why inflation was you know, worse in the UK than it was in perhaps the eurozone and other parts of Europe was because of the end of free movement of people as a consequence of Brexit, which um, made the labour market much tighter, pushed up wages, thus which pushed up inflation. And uh, that was always um, one of the things that people said would happen. But then, you know, if you think back to the whole Brexit debate um, in the UK, immigration was such a central part of that, um, that, you know, you can see why politicians acted as they did. It's really interesting, though, as you enter into this election phase, no one wants to talk about Brexit. I mean, this this report is there. I'm sure it will be discussed. But when it comes to the political arena, I mean, Labour don't want to go there, do they? Labour really don't want to go there. Um, They want to carry the Ming vase across the finish line to win the election and they don't see any benefit whatsoever in talking about Brexit at this point in time. And, you know, the Conservatives don't want to talk much about it either. I mean, you know, they will talk a little bit about what they say of delivering Brexit and the benefits of Brexit, but it's all pretty half-hearted stuff. And I think, yeah, you will find that yeah, come the election, you will get a lot of the conversation about the consequences of Brexit, for instance, for instance the sort of cost of living crisis, but no one's actually going to mention the B word as, as mm-hmm. much as you might expect. Yeah, no one wants to reopen that Pandora's box. You're reporting today, Oliver, that Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, is announcing these plans to turbocharge the development of cities. And this was a theme started by Michael Gove, I think, at the weekend, wasn't it, when he was yes. uh, on Laura Koonsberg's programme, because home ownership now, particularly amongst young people, that's become a very big issue there. Yeah, I mean, just as home ownership is a huge issue in Ireland, so it is in the UK. And, you know, Rishi Sunak is in this really difficult position um, that, on the one hand, you've got a real crisis in young people not being able to get on the housing ladder, yet on the other, in the seats that he needs to hold uh, to win the next election, there is huge opposition to to large-scale new developments there. So what he's trying to do is somehow square that circle and suggest that, you know, actually we can 
make our cities denser, we can build um, more housing um, on brownfield sites in cities, which will mean the sort of suburbs and the, the shires won't need to have the same number of housing. Now, critics say that that's just sort of wishful thinking, that you actually need to be building in both cities and in the countryside if you're going to meet Britain's housing needs. But certainly, um, Sunak's trying to portray this as the sort of, yeah, the silver bullet solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about offices, shops, old industrial premises and sites now being used for, for housing. Will they be fast-tracked through the planning system? Is that what's being promised? It's partly fast-tracking it through the planning system, but also um, the idea is that local councils will find it much more difficult to oppose those developments. They'll have to have absolutely compelling reasons why an existing brownfield site can't be converted um, into new housing, whereas at present it just goes part of the sort of normal planning process. We have a housing crisis here, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. What does it look like where you are? I, I heard about people in temporary accommodation for six years in some cases. Can you describe the situation for us? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's no surprise to say it varies very much depending on, on who you are. But if you, you know, look particularly at young people is a real problem of people um, not being able to move out of uh, that sort of parental home. Um, There's a problem that rents have absolutely spiralled because there's a crunch in the rental market as well. And then, you know, at the other, you know, one end of the scale, you've got people in in very insecure temporary accommodation, often uh, in not very good accommodation, accommodation which isn't up to the appropriate standards. Um, and you know, generally, this is this is a problem that politicians of all stripes really have failed to grapple with, and you're seeing the consequences of that now. Mm-hmm. Now, let's come back to the Labour Party for a moment, because we heard today that they'll have no official candidate in a by-election this month because they withdrew their support for their prospective MP. This is in an anti-Semitism row. But what's really interesting about this is that Labour said that they would stand by him up to a couple of hours before they withdrew support. Yes, um, this is the case of Azar Ali, who the Mail on Sunday reported um, at the weekend have made anti-Semitic comments um, about the uh, Hamas incursion of, of Israel. Uh, Labour's defence of Ali at the time was, well, he's not an anti-Semite, he was just a conspiracy theorist, um, which is a pretty pretty extraordinary argument to make. Um, but they tried to stand by him. But then yesterday it emerged that he had said, um, more things at the um, at the secret the, the, the event at which he was secretly recorded, um, including describing Israel's incursion of Gaza as a land grab. And I think Sikia Starmer and senior officials in Labour decided that you know it just it was unsustainable. This wasn't going to go away, and that they had to bite the bullet and um, and cut him loose effectively. Mm, and it's a hugely sensitive issue for Labour, of course, isn't it? It is, and you know the difficulty is. Um, a significant number of Labour MPs, a significant number of sort of staunch Labour supporters um, are deeply unhappy with the position which the leadership has got itself into. Um, Starmer has been very clear that he doesn't support calls for a permanent ceasefire and is sort of slightly dancing on the edge of a pin, um, saying that Labour supports calls for a, um, a sort of a temporary ceasefire. But, you know, if you if you looked at the, the comments that you saw from Simon Coveney in, in, the, in the news just now, that's yeah. a much stronger, clearer line that's coming from Coveney than is coming from the Labour Party. And a lot of, 
you know, a lot of um, you know, senior people in Labour would like to hear Starmer sounding a lot more like Coveney. So but when it comes to the Rochdale by-election, is that it now for Labour? Can they? Is it too late for them to put somebody else in there? Yep, it's entirely too late. Nominations have closed. So the chances are that on the ballot paper, um, Azir Ali will still appear as the Labour Party candidate, but he is suspended pending an investigation. Um, So it's a a difficult choice for the voters of Rochdale. Mm -hmm. Interesting times. Oliver, thank you very much. Good (laughs) to talk to you. Oliver Wright there from the London Times.